poor customer service is becoming the accepted norm. And so we really want to make an impact where our customers feel different or notice something different on how they're treated when they do business with us. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Thank you for joining me for another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. This is a show where I interview local entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers to learn their origin stories and to be inspired by their journeys. Today I'm in Rexburg and have the privilege of learning the story of one of the oldest, most established businesses in the Upper Valley. I have Mark Porter here from Porter's Office Products. Welcome, Mark. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so good to be able to speak with you. I've been excited to get up here to Rexburg and to learn more about your business, your family. Um, I understand that you guys are, are you on the fourth generation? We are on the fourth generation. Yeah. That's correct. So we're, we're trailing behind you a little bit. We're, <laughs> we're third. Well, I should give Nick some credit because we have a son that's working the business. So I guess we're working on that's that great. fourth. Yeah. Um, so thank you for your example and I'm excited to learn from you. So your family founded this business in 1915, right here in Rexburg, is that correct? That is. Okay, so tell me about it. So my great-grandfather uh, was very entrepreneurial and he a acquired a variety store based on a default loan that he had loaned someone for this store. And so he ended up taking it over. And so he started this little variety store on College Avenue and but was he was he a farmer or how did he He was actually a professor oh he was at, okay yep okay uh at rick's college yeah but still very entrepreneurial uh i think he was in horticulture i should know my family heritage <laughs> he a little something. bit better uh, but I do know that he did plant all the trees where Porter Park is and so that's how Porter Park got its name got its name great uh, so but he was always very entrepreneurial and so what, after he had the store he ended up uh, purchasing the local newspaper and so he had the local newspaper which is uh, the Rexburg Standard Journal and then he also uh, from that got into printing and so started a printing company, which then became Artco. And, and so as he had these three little businesses that, that were operating, uh, he had 10 children and three of them after the war wanted to come back into the family business. And so he sold uh, the variety business to my grandfather, the newspaper to one of my grandfather's brothers and then the printing business to his other brother. And so the variety store was still kind of just that. It was it was the variety store. You didn't have necessarily office products at this point. Correct. It okay. was just variety and, you know, a general mercantile store. Yeah, fun. Like I can imagine. This would have been maybe the 30s? Uh, this would have been in the 40s. In the 40s. So uh -huh. in the 40s, early 50s. Uh -huh. And then... Uh, in the 70s, my grandfather uh, became part of the Ben Franklin franchise group and, and, and was starting to get into more things there. And that's when they got into office supplies and office products and started doing that business. Okay. 
They had a, they even had a store in Idaho Falls that was just office products. And as that, as that grew, uh, the variety store, when my dad came into the business after the Teton flood, that's when he came back to run the variety store and he really grew it from there. And my grandfather really had a love for the office products, not so much for the, the variety, variety store. store part of it. Tell me about the flood. Was that pretty devastating for your family? Did it really affect the business? Yeah, it completely wiped the business out. Mm. Uh, we were living in California at the time, uh, my family, my mom and dad. And so my grandfather was here and it just wiped it out that, you know, the pictures of the floor being gone and yeah. sitting in the basement, you know, six mm. feet of water. Mm in downtown Rexburg. Mm -hmm. And so that's when my grandfather asked my dad to come back and help him rebuild uh, the store after the flood. So your dad originally was not a part of the business? Correct. You know, he was kind of a, um, what's the, uh, I can't think of the, trouble thinking of the word, um, but overachiever, I think. Uh, he got his master's degree in um, engineering, and so he was engineering guidance systems for missiles. Okay. And a little different than a the variety store. A little different. <laughs> and, and then he uh, thought the patent guys in the patent office there were having way more fun, so he went to law school at night and got his law degree and went into patent law. No way. Wow. And, yeah. So. So it didn't look like he was going to be a part didn't of look the like he Porter was business. Yeah, uh -huh. correct. He loved living in Southern California, and you know we were out in the valley from Los Angeles, and and they just really enjoyed it there. And so my mom and and he did not have any plans on coming. On coming back. back to East Idaho. Exactly. And so how old were you then when the flood? Arrived? So I was about three or four. Uh -huh. So still so pretty you're still young. Still a little young. Yeah. And anyway, so after he came back, uh, the, the Kmarts of the world started really affecting the Ben Franklin variety stores, and that's when they transitioned into crafts, okay, uh, arts and crafts. And again, my grandfather really no interest in that. And so he um, just kind of ran the off supply and, and, and just enjoyed. And so did your dad take that. the variety part? So my dad, it was all really operated in one location, okay, got right, it. right in the same store. I got and it. so my dad was, you know, transitioning from the, the variety to the crafts and, um, and building that business. And, and where we were all in the same building, it was still under the same company. Sure. It was just kind of operating kind of on its own there. Uh -huh. um, and that was here in Rexburg? Yep, that was here in Rexburg, Downtown. down on College Avenue. Okay. Um, and so that was, you know, and then they had another manager that had, you know, that had been with them for a long time. That was kind of, he and my grandfather were uh, r running the office products portion okay. of it. Okay. Um, and then, you know, my background and one thing that my grandpa instilled into his kids is if they wanted to come into the family business, they had to work outside the business first to make sure that that's what they wanted to do. That was one thing that he did not have and always regretted. Yeah, after 
you know, he worked in the store as a kid, went into the army, served in World War II, came back, went right into the business and never That's did anything else. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't, he always wondered, did he miss out on something that he would have maybe enjoyed more? And, and so that was one thing for his kids. And so I, I got my degree in accounting. And then um, when I was going to school, uh, Rick's College, before my mission and after my mission, during the summers, I was working for Golden West Irrigation for Sylvan Seeley and his family. And after college, they hired me back there. And so I worked, you know, that was my, my path there was where I was working. Like, were you moving pipe? I was not, not moving pipe, just okay. selling the pipe. Oh, got yeah, it. Yeah, yes, so it was the selling and the installation of the pivots and yeah, the pipes. Yeah, so that was and, a great experience for you to Yeah, it, it absolutely was. I really loved it. Um, I, I loved the, the farming aspect. My mom's family um, were large potato farmers in the Teton Basin, and so working there for potato harvest. And, and so I, I, I just loved that aspect of it. Yeah, so although you started as a Southern California kid, you really became an Idaho yep, boy. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep, Good. absolutely. And so uh, the manager for my dad's um, office supply company my grandfather were running, he ended up leaving. And my grandfather was really at the age where he could not run it full time or really had the desire to run it full time. He would have been in his mid to late 70s. And, and so uh, they were just going to close the office products portion down. Really? It, yeah, it really wasn't, you know, it was doing less than a, a million dollars a year in sales. Yeah. And, and again, it wasn't their focus. You yeah. know, my dad did not like commercial office products. And so... So he pretty much left that to your grandfather yep. to do. And yeah. he was doing Porter's Crafts. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so he was doing Porter's Crafts. Had you thought in your, while your school, being an accountant or even prior to that, that you would be in the family business? Um, after growing up in it, no, absolutely not. You were like, yeah, you, I'll find something else. Absolutely, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the the family turmoil that comes yeah, with right. that, and the the butting heads, it was no, I'm I'm never coming back into the business. Yeah, right. And and so when when that happened, their manager laughed. My dad came to me and said would you like to come back into the business and take it over? And the office part, the, the office products part, do you want to come take the office products portion over? And that's what, you know, I decided to do. It was a good time to leave uh, Golden West. They had some, some family members wanting to come into that business as well that they hadn't anticipated, you know, uh -huh. when, so when they had hired me. So, so timing worked out, I think for all of us. Yeah. And so that's when I came into the business and and really grew it. And about what year was this? That, that was year? in 1998. Okay. And in 2001, we just outgrown ourselves and become more of a a player in a market because we were focused on it. And that's when we separated the companies. I moved out into the current location that we're in now here north of Rexburg. Got it. And then probably at that time, in 2001, this was really the outskirts of Rexburg. Yes, so actually, like... we were beyond the edge of the earth. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the railroad tracks were the edge, of the, the edge earth, of the earth, and we I were see. beyond that. Yeah. And actually, were you the only ones out here? Yes. Well, us and Artco, oh, but, yeah. but there was nobody you know, <laughs> uh, other than us out here. Uh, 
and really the edge of the earth didn't move beyond the railroad tracks until Walmart moved beyond us. So yeah. now Walmart is now the edge of the earth. Yes, and, <laughs> and we've joined you in the center of the earth, I guess, now across it, it, the street. Yep, exactly, <laughs> which we're happy to have you and other yeah. businesses. And now as we're getting more people building out here. Yeah, it doesn't look so lonely for you out here yep, anymore. Absolutely. Good. Okay, so um, you outgrew your place, space in 2001, came out here. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and then I bought my grandfather and dad out of the business. Okay. Uh, because your dad still had piece of the office. He still had piece of the ownership, even though he wasn't running it, just because it was all of one corporation at the time. And when we spun this corporation off, you know, his shares. And, and so he still had some as well. So I ended up buying. So you must have seen something in the business from 98 to 2001 where you were like, oh, hey, this could be more than what it's been. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, and so that's where we really, um, you know, took off from there. Yeah. Great. Okay. So um, tell me a little bit about what Exactly what services do you offer now? It's not just paper supplies. It's not just paper supplies, no. We are really into everything for the office. Uh, so we are very big into furniture. Uh, we have the Steelcase furniture line, and uh, that is, we're exclusive for the area on that. We do janitorial supplies. So That's from, a surprise. Yeah, yeah, people wouldn't think of that, yeah. you know, as more and more office products are going digital you know as we're looking for more things to provide to our customers to be at that single source supplier mm -hmm. we don't see even though we didn't see it years you know 10 years ago we didn't see the paper and everything going digital so but right now i don't see toilet paper going digital but that <laughs> could happen yeah you never so know so we never know uh-huh and in so we do all of the, the janitorial, the cleaning, the toilet paper, the, the hand sanitizers, and then also for the break room. So we do a lot of coffee and plates and forks. Yeah. So anything that to run your office, we can be that single source supplier to really take the costs out of procurement of doing business. And so we can go, instead of a one of our customers having to deal with 10 different vendors, they could single source at all from us. Yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah. you are not just singular to Rexburg any longer. You're, are you serving the whole Upper Valley? Tell me about your service area. So yeah, so we are serving all of East Idaho as well as Western Wyoming and Northern Utah Okay. in, in Logan. So in 2009, we did our first acquisition. So we purchased Bang's office products in Pocatello. So we still have an office there. And then since then, we purchased M&H office products that was in Blackfoot and Nobis office products that was in Jackson, Wyoming. Okay. And, and so we are the only independent office products dealer in all of these markets that we're in now. Yeah, so how does that work? Because I imagine you've got some big players out there that are your competitors. How do you stay competitive with them and, and, and not have your customers leave for one of the big box stores or whatever? Yeah, you know, our biggest uh, advantage is the customer experience and the value that we bring that the big box stores just can't emulate. And, and so we do a lot of extra things for our customers, whether it be putting the paper in the stock room, 
90% of our purchases are are women and they don't like carrying 50 pound boxes of paper around. Right, it's nice that you do that. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so we move that all around. Um, we do have to be price competitive though, and we understand that. We're a part of a the largest national buying group for independent office products dealers in the US. I've actually, this is my, I'm going on my 16th year as uh, one of the board of directors of that group. That's great. Uh, so I travel quite a bit for, for that, and it keeps us abreast of what's going on the in, on in the industry. I'm sure you have seen in that time, especially several independents that have not made it through the competition of these larger places. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in back in 1990, when Staples came out, there were 15,000 independent office products dealers. Today, there's less than three. And so a lot of them are just going away wow. or being purchased by other independent dealers. And then some are even being purchased by the Staples or Office Depot. Sure, sure. Makes sense. Yeah. That's the market that they want. Yep. Um, okay, so there's you talked about customer service being something that sets you apart. You have this service called Blue Cow Service. Yes, is that correct? We, we do. Tell me and about that. So that is... What we've named how you will be treated and how you'll feel is, you know, the blue cow service. So kind of our branding, you know, a lot of people provide great service. So we've just given ours a name uh -huh. and it's really become our culture in treating customers well and really making a difference uh, in how a customer feels when they deal with us. Poor customer service is becoming the accepted norm. And so we really want to make an impact where our customers feel different or notice something different on how they're treated when they do business with us. And, and that is really the driving force behind our value proposition is, hey, we can take care of you. We can be price competitive, but we can add these other services that make your job easier. Yeah, and it, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. If, mm -hmm. if you think of an office products budget for a company, you know, less than a half of a percent or a tenth of a percent. And so it's always a job that has been added on to someone else's yeah, primary so job. True. <laughs> and so if we can make that easier and make it the least painful as possible, uh, that's our goal. Yeah, and I understand that's what you do. So where did the name Blue Cow come from? Like where, you know, that's not something you really associate with service necessarily. So tell me about that story. Yeah, it is. So that is probably the, the biggest uh, or, or the number one question that we get asked is what's up with the Blue Cow? Yeah. How did you come up with this? Is, you know, is it because of Idaho? And so several years ago, we worked with a marketing company out of Denver uh -huh. and to really take our marketing and our branding to the next level. And they had said, when you're building your brand, you really need three things to pull from. You need to have an animal, you need to have a toy, and you need to have a spokesperson. Okay. And so once you come up with those three things, then when you build your brand and your marketing, you can pull from all of those three, or you might just use one. Got it. And so when we talked about the toy, we said, you know, our toy should be a truck because that's everyone comments of seeing our trucks all around. And 
And then where I was the owner of the company, they said, well, you should be the spokesperson. And, and then when it came to the uh, animal, they'd actually brought up, hey, what about a cow? You know, you're from Idaho, you know, farming. And I said, that the cow is the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> Yeah, and right. It, Who associates a cow with Idaho? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I said we're not a dairy farm. We're you know we don't yeah. sell milk. It's it has no association with us. We're not going to do it. You know, I wanted something you know more masculine. Sure. Like you a know, wolf. Yeah, or a wolf, a lion, a tiger. <laughs> you know, a, a, a lizard. You know, j just something you know more hip and trendy. Sure. And and so we just could not agree on the animal. So we tabled it and said, okay, uh, let's start getting into the other things that you do differently. And one of the things that we do is we put candy in all of our orders okay. for our customers. And at the time, we'd been using for years these little uh, toffees, and they, were, they came in different flavors, and they were called cows. And oh yes, I remember. Yes. Yes, remember mm -hmm. the, the, the they're still around. The, the cows, actually, yeah. they're they're not. Oh, they're that's not. The, that's the worst part of the end of the story. Okay, can't wait. So as we were discussing um, these candies, and they were the customers loved them so much when they would when they didn't get them they would let us know. Uh -huh. Where's and they my cows? Would, and when, and, and exactly, they would say, "Where's my cows?" They uh -huh. didn't say, "Where's our toffee." <laughs> <laughs> Where's my cows? And then the light bulb went oh, off. Oh, and you're like, dang, that, this that, makes sense. That now makes sense. We have to use the cow because now we're used for the cow candy. I love it. So that's where uh, the cow came from. The blue cow was blue was our company colors. And, and so the blue cow came to be is that is you don't see a blue cow. It's rare. And so that is our customer service proposition is it's rare, you don't see it, and so that's where the blue cow Associate came from. Associate it with us. Absolutely. Uh -huh. So I have to hear the end of the story. So what with the candy? about eight months later, the blue cow, or it wasn't the blue cow, the cow brand toffee company went out of business. Oh, that's tragic. Nobody picked it up. Oh. Nobody um, wanted to continue that on, and so we searched you know, high and low is what could we do to replace it? And then we ended up with blue taffy. Okay. And so that is what we now include in all of our orders. Got but it. But people still remember the cows. They still ask if they, you know, if we could get those back. Yeah, and right. Unfortunately, we can't. Too bad you didn't have an opportunity to acquire a candy company. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? That could have set you up. Yeah, so that was just one of the, 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 the you know, the, the only bad thing about our story or the only disappointing part. It actually it makes it kind cow. of interesting because then yeah. it's like, how did this all come to be? Yep, I it love did. It. I love it. Well, this definitely has been a multi-generational family business. What do you attribute that success to? I really attribute the success of my dad, myself, going out and working before coming into the family business full-time. And I firmly believe that is the reason that we are still going is because we've seen how you have to work in a business to keep it going and don't take it for granted. Yeah. You know, as I think as many 
multi-generation businesses fail after the second, it's, I believe, those subsequent generations have come in, they've never worked outside the business, they don't really know how to value hard work, not that they're not hard workers, they, they just, just don't, don't know understand how, it. Yeah, yeah, they don't know how to understand it, they expect a lifestyle that has come with owning a business and so they expect that lifestyle from the outset right and they just don't make it yeah and they, they don't know how to make the sacrifices that need to be made at times and that's why i think they they just don't don't make it very very far yeah your um i think you shared with me a quote that your dad talked about in being self-employed what yes, you know, that is one, one of the, the great quotes that I love is, is the two greatest things of being self-employed is number one, you get to work half days, and number two, you get to decide which 12 hours you want to work. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? It, it is. So it is not a eight to five job, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, as you know, if something doesn't go right, if things go bad, we can't just go find another job. Right. You know, every one of our employees can go and find another job tomorrow if, if they need, if, if they need or want to. And we don't have that luxury. Um, we have responsibilities to the banks and, and a lot of those things that people just don't realize. And, and so, we really want, in with knowing that our people uh, and team members can go anywhere they want tomorrow, we really want to make our um, our place a fun and enjoyable place to work. And because really, that's what makes us is our team members and everyone that works here. They're the ones that do the blue cow service every day, and they're the ones that are making the customers feel the way they do. And so we really value and appreciate our employees and everything that they, that they do for us. Yeah, they really do make the difference. I think that's the thing that can make a business owner crazy. You can't be everywhere at the same time. So you have to be able to really distribute your values and your mission and make sure that your employees believe it. Like they're never going to believe it to the level that we do as business owners. But they have pride in their work and you know they want to do a good job you know that they do yep so absolutely help support them and how many do you uh, have an idea obviously you have an idea but how many employees do you have so we have about 25 employees okay and that's between our rexburg location and our pocatello location and when you first took the business over was it just you it was myself and one four other people yeah. So there were five of us total. Yeah. So that's quite a contribution to uh, the area and obviously to our economy, everything, you know, the businesses and how we support the people who work for us. Absolutely. And, and yeah, being able to provide jobs, you know, that's a, a really something that I enjoy is being able to uh, provide jobs to others and help mentor others and to give, you know, give people the vision of how to treat customers that they can take with them if they decide to leave and as they go, we, we hope that they leave better people yeah. mm -hmm. uh, than when, when they came here. Yeah, it's good to see them go on and do bigger and better things. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so thank you so much for explaining this story. It's, it's so fun to learn about 
I want to know though, I think speaking from experience, we all as business owners have moments of doubt and wonder like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, I, like you said, it's not as easy to pick up and go. Have you had moments of doubt? Has there been anything in the business that really kicked your butt and you were like, what are we doing? And how do you overcome that stuff? You know, I don't know if I'm really one that overcomes that easily. I think that I self-doubt myself and what I'm doing more than I should. I, I don't think that I've had an instance where I've had self-doubt, overcame it, and not had it anymore. Yeah. I think the doubt is always, hey, what are we doing? It's, it's always there. And, you know, as we're always striving to be more successful and more profitable, and competition is getting, you know, more and more prevalent, you know, with, with online and people really just accepting low level of customer service as the norm and just being okay with it. And so, especially the newer and younger generation to say there is something better, you know, supporting local businesses that I think majority of all local businesses and independently owned businesses, that's their value proposition is how, how they treat their customers yeah. and how the customers feel. And with the internet really cannibalizing that and taking that out of the equation and people accepting it, you know, it's been something for us is, you know, can we keep going on? Will people continue to value a transaction and value how they're treated and value how they feel but the internet is numbing them to that mm -hmm. and so it's you know it's a battle that we have every day yeah and so just pushing through it just realizing that you are making a contribution and and pushing through that i yeah. think we all struggle with self-doubt and and we are our hardest judges and making sure that we're providing we have the families to provide for too. Yes, so, yep, yeah. absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, besides just pushing through it is we send out surveys to all of our customers uh, at least once every six months that a customer that has interacted with us, that has provided us with their email address, we will uh, reach out to them. And we actually call it the uh, Blue Cow Builder Score. Um, and we get feedback and a lot of the feedback is positive. And so that really helps is, okay, there are people that still value the customer interaction because they will say, oh, I'm so appreciative of a certain employee on how they treated me. Or yeah. you've always, everyone is so nice. And, and so then that really- Validates what you're doing. Validates what we're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and so we, and we really appreciate all of the, the comments that we get and the ones that we, we even like the, the critical ones because if we don't know there's a problem, we can't fix it. Yeah, but that's a gift, I think. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and so we really appreciate those customers that take the time to say, here's where you fell short of our expectations. Uh -huh. And then it gives us an opportunity to fix it and address it. Yeah. And, and really, most of the times, you know, we've been able to do that. And, and I would say 95% of those critical comments that we get are valid comments. They're, they're not ones that are just, you know, 
expectations that are unattainable. Uh -huh. You know, they, they are really true, genuine ones that, yes, we did fall short. We can do better. We can do better. Mm -hmm. and, and so we really tried to do that. And, and we really appreciate, you know, those comments for, and the people to take the time. Well, I thank you for saying that because I, um, I think they are a gift and it's impossible to always be perfect. And sometimes even in our intent to do all the things right, stuff just happens. And so it's great to be able to get that feedback. Um, having looked at something one way for so long, sometimes you can't see what's right in front of you and it's good to have those other set of eyes. So yeah, absolutely. Love that feedback. Absolutely. So what's the future for Porter's Office Supplies? I know you guys do have some challenges that you're facing in this internet age and the ease of having things delivered. So where do you see next steps are for you? You know, we're still in the um, arena of being able to compete on the internet. We've invested because heavily. Because you have quite an internet presence. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. we do. We've invested heavily in our website with capabilities and features and ease of business. And the next day delivery to our customers. And that is something that the internet resellers cannot do. Yeah, and it's that personal delivery. It's that personal delivery. Yeah. And even with the Amazon Prime, is I've noticed when I've had to use it, that Prime no longer means two-day delivery. Right. It is, I've seen four or five day for certain items. And, and especially when you're purchasing for an office, using a company credit card, they bill you separately for each shipment. So if you order 10 items, it might come in five, six different shipments. Yeah, right. And then trying to reconcile that, where ours will all come once. You know, we've got a 95% fill rate on a next day basis. Great. And, and we offer over 75,000 items. And, and so it's, to be able to do that, I think, is a, a big feat. And that is just really our, our value proposition, you know. And then we're also looking to then grow more. You know, there's other independent office products dealers uh, that are out there that are outside our current market area that uh -huh. we're actually looking at. To partner to say, with or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, to actually acquire okay. and then grow our footprint yeah. th that we have. Yeah. Our general manager has a goal of seven to ten locations before he retires. Yes, and he you says, shared that with me. Yeah, and he and he <laughs> wants to get that, and and so he's really uh, going to make that happen for us. Yeah, I think you got some good boots on the ground doing that work. So. Yes, we do. Good we job. have some fantastic boots on the ground. So. I have to ask, you brought it up a little bit, but tell me about working with your family. It is kind of, speaking from experience, cannot always be the best time, but it, it can be the best time. So how involved are, is your family? Now you have, if I'm correct, three sons. Are any of them currently working in the business? So I have one son is currently working in the business who's still in high school. Okay, so and he's a little young yet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my, my older boy is, is now gone and serving a mission uh, for our church. He did work in the business and our... Does he look like he might want to stay in it or does he know? Uh, you know, he doesn't know yet. Yeah. I, he does want to be an entrepreneur, but I've put the same conditions you on, gotta work on the away. business. You got to work <laughs> away first. Okay. 
and, and make sure that this is really what you want to do yeah. um, before you can come back. And the way that I structured it is the boys that they come in and they start and have really only so far worked in the warehouse and they report to someone else. Uh-huh. So they don't report to me and and so they get that, you know, what it's like to work in, in the real world. And I've really talked to all of the supervisors, our managers. And, and said, and, look, and, he's not, they're yeah, not my kids. He, you have to take them. And <laughs> well, and, and also take the approach that don't treat them differently yeah, exactly. and don't let them have the attitude of, well, hey, I'm the boss's son. Yeah. I can get away with certain things and I'm not going to take that attitude either. Good. And and so have really made that a focus. I and kind of feel sorry for our kids working in the business because we seem, I mean, some of us are even harder on I, them. I think so. I think that we are much harder. And that's one of the things that maybe some of the other employees don't realize yeah. is they might think that that their perception might be that they're pampered a little bit, but I think that we are much harder on them you know, I do for, too. for excellence. Yeah. And, but it, it does really make me proud when, when people comment on how good of workers you know, my kids are. Yeah. And when my son left uh, the warehouse, they really were sad and said, boy, we really, we really lost a good employee, you know, because good. he would, he would just, you know, do anything, work late, come in early, do, do the things that he needed to do to make sure that the job was done and that it was done right. And my second son is doing that the as same. well. You know, he's more involved in sports. And so he, he hasn't had the opportunity to work as much as my older one has. Yeah. And, and so this summer will really be the first summer now that he has a driver's license and a, and yep. a vehicle and that he'll be here. Well, good job, Dad. I know that that's a challenge. <laughs> Do you have any of your other family, since you and your dad and your grandfather, since you bought them out, have you had any other family then involved in the office supply business? No, it's it's, it's always yours. and only been me, and I think okay. that's what's made it work. And that was really one of the conditions of me coming back into the business in 98 was, would this be something that I could take and run? And be yours. Uh-huh. And, right, and that my dad wouldn't be second-guessing me yeah. on, on a lot of things. And there were a few things that he did, Yeah, you know, that, that we did have some rough patches through. Uh but, you know, it's all very good now. Um, you know, I do have one brother and one sister, and they are not in, in the business. As, as you may know, my dad recently, this last year, closed his craft stores. and Yes, retired. it was very traumatic for all of East Idaho. Yes, you know, <laughs> he just did not have anyone to, you know, take them over. Yeah. And, you know... My and it brother, worked out for him to it, get it out. It worked yeah. out for, for him uh, to, to get out and to enjoy retirement. Good and for my, him. My, my brother is in San Francisco, and he is not coming back, and my sister in Phoenix, and they didn't want to come back, and they'd been asking me for years if I wanted to run it, and there's... I, and, and I'm a big, you know, being an accountant, a big numbers guy, I said every employee over there would quit if I had them counting beads for inventory. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's for sure. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, my, my dad is, was, was not as specific on inventory yeah. as I am. Yeah. Well, um, we're grateful that it didn't entirely go away, but it is different. That's for yes. sure. Yes. 
Uh, okay, so I try to ask this because I think it's kind of inspiring for us to learn. Do you have any books or podcasts or ongoing education things that come to mind that you would um, advise us to implement in our lives or anything that you feel like would have helped you achieve your personal success that could help be inspiring? You know, I think I can't point to any specific books. I, I don't read as, as often as I should, but I, I think continual education and learning and focusing on your business is very important. I have been a part of a entrepreneurial group called Strategic Coach for about 11 years now. And I will say that has been the reason for our growth and our expansion. Uh, you're working with other people with similar problems and it just gives you the confidence. And what I really like about it is, is when I come back from the meeting with all of these ideas, they're not ideas that they gave me. They're ideas that, that I've come up with based on knowing my business, but they provide an atmosphere and the tools to help get that out of your head. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, great. And, and bounce it off of other people. And, you know, we do a lot. I, I think, you know, throughout the day, we do a breakout with, with one to four other people probably every hour uh -huh. um, to where you're just talking about, you know, what you've been brainstorming and bouncing ideas off of and getting feedback and, yeah, and sharing with each other. And so it's, it's just a really great you know, uh, forum. I think there's a lot of opportunities for that kind of a structure. You know, there are definitely mastermind groups and um, different networking kind of on steroids groups and uh, always good for us as business owners uh, to be a part of all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't say that this group is the end all be all for everyone. But it's worked for you. It's worked for yeah. me. And like you said, there's there's all types of different groups. And yeah. so my suggestion is just get Find involved something. with one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Great. I love that advice. Mark, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners that we haven't discussed? We've talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think I've taken up quite a, quite a bit of your time. We're excited that you have. We've learned a lot, and I appreciate you so much. Um, thanks for your time today. I so enjoyed getting to know you and your family business better, and especially learning what a true one-stop shop Porter's is, so no more Amazon for us. That's very good. <laughs> Being a family business ourselves, it gives me hope that we'll also be able to get into that fourth generation and be successful. Sounds like you're on your way. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, thanks to all of you for joining us. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair, your family-owned and operated automotive repair shop. If you're looking for automotive repair and maintenance provided with honesty and integrity and customer service, just like Mark said, come see us in Idaho Falls or Rexburg. And stay tuned to hear tips and tricks of business leadership in our business leadership moment. See you next time. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thank you for joining me for today's business leadership moment. As a reminder, our business leadership moment is sponsored by RiseCon, an East Idaho business conference held in November. If you guys didn't have an opportunity to attend it this last November, please look forward to it this upcoming November. It is so worth your time. You get to be um, have the opportunity to learn from great leaders, our business leaders in the area. And even if you're not a business owner, if you're interested in business, it's for you. If you um, are wanting to learn from other 
individuals who've had experience, just life experience. It's a great place to come and learn. So we look forward to seeing you at RiseCon this upcoming November. In addition, RiseCon has a monthly executive event called RiseX, which is much like a mastermind group. So if you really wanted to move your business to the next level, please look into joining the RiseX executive event that is held monthly. If you're interested in finding out more information about any of these events, please visit the website idahoriseCon.com. And that rise is spelled with a Z. So don't forget. Um, And you'll, you'll get more details there. So thank you guys for sponsoring this. And today I just had something on my mind I wanted to share with all of you. And, um, I, I have been coaching an individual, um, who is, was in a situation where they needed to do something difficult, um, have a difficult employee con conversation. And she came to me and we were talking about it and she said, Renee, how do I tell my employee that she's not meeting my expectations? Now I know this leader, I know that she has the skill set to know how to do this. And so I, I pondered that for a little bit and and kind of turned the question back around to her um, and said, you know, you know how to do this. You've done this before. Um, what I want to ask you is, why don't you do this? What is preventing you from having this conversation with this employee? Uh, and so it gave us an opportunity to really explore some of those things that maybe were barriers for why this conversation was happening. And she went on to tell me, she's like, you know, I really respect this employee and I'm worried that I'm going to upset her, that she's going to cry. And I, you know, when I think about it, I'm not sure I was really clear about what my expectations were with her. So she might even say that this situation was my fault, that I wasn't clear. Um, And so I'm a little concerned about that because she'd be right. And so we had a, we had a whole conversation. We kind of role-played how this would go down. Um, and so she went away feeling much better prepared to have the conversation that she needed to have. And I think that's something that a lot of us do. How many of us have before have said, how do I do this? You know, how do I enforce a tight deadline? How do I hold my employees accountable for coming to work on time? How do I, how do I, how do I? Well, The question I think that often we should actually be asking ourselves is, why don't I? What is preventing me from doing this, especially in this particular situation? And sometimes it comes right down to uh, it's more important to be liked than to be effective. Uh, It's more important to be liked than to own my role as a leader in this particular situation. I, I don't want to have this person be upset with me. I don't want to risk the um, chance that they will leave me, uh, leave our business. So I think if we take an opportunity to really explore what is it that's preventing us, um, instead of saying, how do I, say, why don't I, and really prepare ourselves for what the potential outcome could be. Now, in this situation, they had the conversation. The employee didn't cry and really wasn't upset other than they did have a good conversation around how this leader had not been clear about expectations. So they both left the conversation with things to work on and realizing how they could grow and move forward. And isn't that what we're all looking forward to? Yeah, looking forward to is moving forward and our growth. And next time we're going to do this differently. And 
And that's what continues to make us stronger employees, stronger leaders, um, and obviously own our role. So that's just my little food for thought today. I hope that this business leadership moment gave you something to think about to improve your own leadership. And that's my challenge to you. Next time you get in that situation, ask, why don't I? And see if maybe it can move you forward to have whatever conversation you need to have. All right. Thank you for joining this business leadership moment. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.